I was trying to think of the name of, and I was thinking of all these different things. So I don't know. One is um, like when to quit, but that's not really what it's about. How about being your own superhero? Because I think part of what happens with athletes is that they're everybody's superhero and they are constantly thinking about other people and won't acknowledge that they have their own needs and how do you take care of yourself? I love it, being your own superhero. And basically you did the introduction, right? Welcome to The Road to Soul Joy Wellness, where a coach and a therapist explore the journey to living your best life on purpose. You're Joy Williams and Nadine Huesner, your host. I love it, being your own superhero. And basically you did the introduction, right? So Mm -hmm. it is being being an athlete and be, especially being the greatest of all time, yeah. um, taking yeah. care of yourself, right? Yeah. Taking care of yourself, not drinking too much of the um, fantasies or ideals you have of yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I, and I think it's really a challenge for people to take care of themselves in that kind of spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, just not just the pressure of people mm-hmm. having expectation on you, but the straight backlash that people get mm-hmm. from, from, from that. Before we start, we're gonna dig in with a word of the day, 3 John 1, 2. And this is the NIRV version. Dear friends, I know that your spiritual life is going well. I pray that you also may enjoy good health. And I pray that everything else may go well with you. Amen. Nadine, what you got? Hey, this is my quote of the day. It's much more interesting to embrace who you really are rather than waste energy pretending to be someone else. Unknown. So if we look at Simone Biles, um, Naomi Osaka, and then even Michael Phelps, and I feel Mm -hmm. like I don't know if it's race and gender plays a role. I feel like Michael Phelps, and maybe I didn't pay attention that Michael mm-hmm. Phelps got less backlash for for talking about mental health. Or... Oh, he, he, I, I thought he got the backlash. I really felt like he got a lot of the backlash um, because I believe there was it 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 came out because of his treatment, his his self treatment of his anxiety. So I mean, he did get a lot of back- backlash. And that's the other thing that what happens is people are so ashamed of their anxiety and what's going on that they, they try to find private ways. Um, it may not always be the best ways to treat their anxiety. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I can, I, well, I, I can imagine. So if you, if you don't have support and you don't know what's going on and you think it is a shameful thing, um, I can imagine people trying to, to do something to well, take care of their, themselves. Yeah. You have to think as an athlete, if you injure a body part, right, you get a whole lot of sympathy. People are like, well, take time. You have, um, uh, a, a sports medicine people, professionals who will treat you and it can be as public and, and you get a lot of support in that. But if you have an injury that no one can see, if it's, if your anxiety or your depression or, or, or some emotional challenge 
you don't get the same response and it could be viewed as weakness. Yeah. And then it's interesting. So I was in a, 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 a clubhouse room um, some time ago. I don't remember the name of the room or the names of the people. So I'm not exposing anything, but um, so someone was talking, he's from a more traditional sports background. And the question is like, how could you be the, the goat, the greatest of all time, if you are quitting at this critical time? And then another woman made the point, she said, for, for those of us who grew up in that kind of way, like the athlete pushes through at all costs, all times, it's gonna take a moment. She's like, we, you need to give us some grace to get to the new way of thinking that, mm-hmm. um, that taking care of yourself is really critically important. That, that, you, uh, that by stepping down, because you are more than just this athlete, by stepping down or stepping away or taking time away, then you have to, um, you know, you have to recognize that, that that is actually being the, the, the goat being, you know, and she didn't really say this, but one of the things is that if we have other people emulating these, these superheroes, right, if we have other people emulating the superheroes and they don't have the resources and the things the things that they need, they're putting themselves at greater risk. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what do we want for society? We want people to be mentally, physically, and emotionally he- healthy. So mm-hmm. that that would be a better way to be, to say, you're not going to just go through it at any cost because you could um, create so much more damage. So in, in Simone Biles' case, she could physically injure herself by not being in the mental space. And then, um, you know, other mm-hmm. things can happen when people don't address these things properly. But we understand even with self-care, right? Um, let's just say uh, as an athlete, if I have a slight injury, a, a, a sprained ankle, <laughs> depending on uh, what the sport, if I have a sprained ankle and I don't take care of that sprained ankle, it will grow to something more significant that will really hinder my performance. The same thing with mental health. If I have a slight anxiety or if I'm suffering from depression, if I don't deal with it on the early part, it becomes something bigger and out of control. So um, having that honesty, honest conversation, the transparency that I think so many people, because it's still very shame ridden. I know we feel, and definitely in the field, we feel that, oh, it's we've come a long way that people are talking about mental health more, but there's still a lot of stigma around it. Um, it's still viewed, there's still a lot of shame. It's still viewed as something as you don't tell people, you don't talk about it because it's a sign of weakness, which is a lie. The sign of weakness is not doing something about it. Um, I like to I like to always refer to Forrest Gump when Forrest Gump would say stupid is, or as stupid is, as stupid does, right? It's the same thing with depression. Like, you know, if you, it's, if, if you think of it negatively, then you're the problem not the illness and not society, but you're the problem. So you have to start making changes and doing things different. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the things about having this conversation um, constantly is that we will have the opportunity to to change uh, behaviors um, and, and and to address these things and to connect it more as a society, right? So mm-hmm. um, I think that's one of the critical things. And one of the things I think I, I saw Simone Biles on, 
I don't remember what network recently. And she was talking about the amount of support she was getting. So Mm -hmm. clearly she's filtering the negative stuff because there's so much Mm -hmm. negative stuff out there, but the amount of support that that she's getting around, around the issue and people who, uh, who have been touched by her approach to that. Mm -hmm. So I'm imagining for, you know, Naomi Osaka gets both as well, because we know that, that, you know, even journalists have some negative comments to say and, and judge other things. Um, Like Megyn Kelly was judging her for being on the cover of something or being, and even the novice person knows that um, a publishing or a, a television shoot happens long before the things air, but judging mm-hmm. judging her in that way and said, mm-hmm. namely addressed it. So sometimes I think that's the other thing. It's like, are you gonna address people when, in their negative comments or not? But elevating it to the surface, I think is great for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Joy. Could not agree with you more on that. Yeah, and, and then it reminds me of, you know, um, scenes because I don't have any kids, I don't go to these athletic events, but scenes of the, the parents forcing their children and, and, um, you know, being really like the super parent trying to make sure their kid does whatever they're supposed to do. So Mm -hmm. then I think maybe, maybe that will translate into those parents thinking, okay, we have to work on the mental health of the child as well, instead of teaching the children, treating the children like performance machines that requires some self-awareness on the parent's part and sadly (laughs) for many parents our children are an extension of ourselves right so we see their where they're judging them instead of being in that place of acceptance and support and nurturing um and that's and, and when i when my kids are at sports events and i see some parents who are like um right there with the coach. I mean, it's, it's sad when, when these sports events start that these, you have to get these rules of sportsmanship and some of it includes parent behavior, right? Which is really sad that you can't just let this be fun. And what happens is when it starts being, when it stops being fun, then the child isn't really given their best. They're not engaged and it becomes a not only a painful process for the person who's watching, the parent, but it, became, it becomes a painful process for the child who really doesn't want to be a part of this or fears disappointing their parent. So they'll do whatever they have to do to get that, um, that um, praise. I remember my son played baseball and there was this one kid and his father was really intense. Like when he came, came up to bat, he would like walk back and forth. And then every time he would swing the bat, he would turn back to the stands and look for his father's like feedback or or approval or disapproval. It was mostly disapproval. But, you know, it was difficult to watch, right? Um, And the other parents who were sitting there was just like, oh, don't miss this one because (laughs) your father is not going to be happy about it. But even as an onlooker, we, we need to have the courage to tell the father back down a bit, right? But... It's, it's unfortunate and it's, it's difficult to watch. So, yeah, I, I can imagine that, but I'm just trying to imagine like, what is the parent really thinking, especially, you know, we're talking young children, like what are they, what, what are they thinking? They're living through the child, they're living. College, college scholarship or some 
um, unfulfilled dream for themselves. That's what they're thinking. They're not thinking about, they're not in the moment. Death, they're either in living in the past or they're living in the future. They are not in the moment where it's just kids enjoying a sport, um, getting some exercise. You know, they don't see it that way. They see it. It's some past trauma or some future goal. Yeah. And I, I mentioned to you before we got on about Ted Lasso. So there's a scene in Ted Lasso. So one of the, the best players, his mm-hmm. father, his father is yelling at him after some game. He's like, you could have done this. And and the thing was that he was supposed to be passing more and he did. So he didn't score. And his father's mm-hmm. yelling at him and he's a life of, of, of doing that, of trying to, um, uh, you know, of being critical all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you could be, you could be better. You somehow it could be better. So, yeah. So I think uh, we put this pressure on, on athletes from being, you know, the, the, the intramural athlete all the way up to the professional and the, the, for them to be their own superhero, we have to help them have better skills mm-hmm. um, to deal but with. Knowing that, but knowing that their value is in, in their performance in some sport, that their value is about them being good human beings. So that's your value. That's a good point. And I think that was one of the ones that things that Simone Biles said. So she didn't think of herself as having anything else other than gymnastics. Mm-hmm. So even if she um, went through this and let's say she went through and she was successful in that, that thinking that that was her only value would put herself up for worse um, future. Because if, if she could only define herself by what she was doing then, and that was over, then, um, then she, uh, she would be setting herself up for a more stressful life after. So mm. by going through this mental crisis, or um, I don't even know if that's the right word, but going through this, this challenge, challenge, yeah, going through this mental challenge, she's ex- exposed herself to the, the fact that her value is greater than just being mm-hmm. gymnast. It's kind of sad that she had to go through that to reach that realization, right? I mean, you think about the hours and years she has invested in this sport and that it took her this, this critical moment, right? And it wasn't even a critical moment in her performance, but a critical moment where emotionally she just couldn't go forward, that she finally was able to understand where her value lies and it's not in her performance. But it's, it's kind of sad that she went this far. Um, and it's no fault of her stop blaming her. I think we all do that, that we get so laser focused on one thing in our lives. And that one thing is what makes us valuable. And we have to be dynamic in who we are. Um, we're not just one. Um, we're not just, uh, you know, an athlete. We're not just a mother. We're not just a, you know, a coach or a therapist. That we are so much more. And it's really the whole concept of, not putting your eggs in one basket. And we're all guilty of it. Um, sometimes I have to back myself up and be like, okay, there's more to life than this one thing. Yeah, and I think that happens a lot for people when they lo- lose their job. So yes. they so uh, identify with that job that it's so hard for them to recover. Yes, and that's one of those critical moments where, and, and that's why even during this pandemic, that became an issue that people lost their jobs. And it wasn't just only about how do I support myself? Yeah, that's a big piece. But another thing is, well, who am I without my job? Yeah, that's very true. Who am? Yeah, 
It's interesting because I remember one friend who was having a really challenging time and this person worked in HR. So she was familiar with people getting um, let go. She's on the other side of that process. Mm-hmm. And she really thought, um, she's like, why, how could they do this to me? Right. So it made her, it, it's, it slowed her down for a minute. Now, now, mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying that anyone wouldn't grieve the process that you're losing uh-huh. your job and you're leaving a place not because you decided to, but um, it could keep you being more stick stuck from there at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's the, the, you know, like, the, like you said, it is a very common experience when someone loses their job. It becomes a personal, like, and, and, and so for people who are not an athlete, Joy, this is a wonderful analysis, right? It's very similar to losing your job when you're not able to perform as an athlete, right? Or you get removed from a team. It's, it's losing your identity um, and you question. So there may be people who might be somewhat dismissive, like, oh, it's just a sport. What's the big deal? But it's very similar to, it's, it's, it's a status, especially if it's something you felt really good about and you were good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess I could be at any level. So like you're, you're, a, you're a JV or varsity or whatever, and then mm-hmm. you lose your job. So it, yeah. So, it, so solutions, right? Like we can, we can talk and we can talk about the, the, the problem and definitely um, having a, a, a support network or a person or people that you can go to and have the honest conversation about what's going on. Uh, I think oftentimes people feel very alone. They don't know who to turn to. And when we look for solutions, sometimes within ourselves, sometimes we don't necessarily come up with the best solutions, (laughs) right? (laughs) That voice in your head doesn't always give good advice. So um, finding one person, that's all you need is just one person who you can talk to, who you can honestly say, hey, this is what's going on with me. Um, And maybe that person can persuade you or see or think outside of the box of what you're going through. Uh, it's that the networks are so important and we, we don't give enough emphasis to it. So if you have someone who's a, an athlete um, and encourage them, it doesn't have to be you. Cause sometimes we're like, Oh, well, yeah, I'm my best friend's best friend. Well, maybe your best friend doesn't really want to talk to you. Um, <clears throat> but letting them know that there are other places for you to go other people. And it doesn't have to be a one-stop shop deal for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I think on a, on a general level, um, exercise and eating well and all those things will help your mental health Absolutely. But on an excessive level. It, it could be part of the problem that you're having. Mm-hmm. So having those friends and those outlets are really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can also, you know, ref- refer you to other people, mm-hmm. professionals or just someone you, you know, just someone that you feel comfortable mm-hmm. talking to. Yeah. And, and the thing that I hear people always say, they, they kind of push getting help off. Oh, it's just, it's not that big. I got, oh, or they found some unhealthy coping mechanism to get them through. You don't have to wait until the house is on fire, until the barn is on fire for you to get, for you to put the fire out. It could be small. It could be like, mm, maybe I'm not sleeping at night, or maybe I've, I've noticed a change in my mood, or the things that used to really, I, I used to find pleasure in, I no longer find pleasure in. It could be something as simple as that. And you could talk to somebody, you may go in and be like, okay, I, I'm not that critical, but 
this is good, but you start to establish a rapport with someone, a therapist, where when things are bad, at least you have it in place. And interestingly, I was talking to athletes. So Michael Phelps is a part of Calm. I think it's Calm. Mm-hmm. It is calm. And then uh, Simone Biles recently partnered with Cerebral. So mm-hmm. um, the person who started Cerebral, his parents are, are both therapists. And he he was having some challenge. But when he um, when Simone Biles was going through this, he was in the hospital for something. So she, mm-hmm. so she is supporting that. So just to say that there are opportunities for you to have a, a solution in your hand, mm-hmm. you can talk to a, a therapist and you don't have to make it a really um, a, a serious long-term commitment, or you can use that to ease your way into um, some other options. And then the other thing I think that people think is your first therapist might not be the one for you. So you might need to find somebody else. Absolutely. Um, when I meet people for the first time, I tell them it's like buying shoes. <laughs> not to minimize what I do with buying shoes, but you may see a pair of shoes and, and you may have a therapist that a friend referred you to and you might get in there and be like, eh, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't look on me the way it looked on someone else. So it doesn't feel the same. Um, a therapist is a personal experience and definitely referrals or recommendations are important, but at the end of the day, you got to feel like you can trust that person and that you feel a connection and that they get you. And I, I always tell them, you don't have to worry about my feelings. If this is not a fit and you feel like I talk too much, <laughs> you, you know, I won't cry when you say this is not okay. I'll cry when you leave, right? That's usually my story, but it's true. It's not about me. And if you have a therapist who makes you feel like it's about them, run for the hills because it is not about them. It's about you. And even that, I remember watching This Is Us. So, so Randall character, he had a therapist and, um, and then at some point he thought she couldn't help him. So she was a, a white woman who had helped him at, at some point. He was dealing with other issues that he thought around uh, uh, race, ethnicity, that he that she didn't have the perspective to help him. So he had to find someone else. Mm-hmm. So I think you can also think that like you might need a new mm-hmm. therapist, a new friend, or mm-hmm. yeah, you might need to make a transition. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, that's good. So now we know we can, to help for solutions, find someone to talk to um, in, in general in the health and wellness space. Yeah, you're not alone. And knowing you're not alone mm-hmm. at all. I mean, I think the, the number, it's like 60% of Americans struggle with some mental health challenge, right? And uh, changing the perspective of what that looks like. <laughs> Um, we have many successful um, people in their lives that struggle with depression and anxiety um, or even substance abuse, right? Which is a symptom of something else that's going on, right? So just knowing, changing the narrative, changing what that picture looks like is where it starts. And you can be your own superhero. Yay, Yay. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today we will be back shortly well weekly thank you for joining us on this episode of road to soul joy wellness we hope you enjoyed the show 
please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love your feedback and a chance to answer your questions, and we may even share your ideas on the show. Until the next time, enjoy your time on the road to Soul Joy Wellness.